my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion. Chicken. We're going to have some fried chicken here. Uh, we are, because we're going to, the church is going to provide the fried chicken. But if you'll provide everything else, this will bring some, you know what, I like those green beans that's had bacon in it, and it's cooked for a long time, and they turn dark green. Anybody like that kind of green beans? Yeah. And uh, the different salads with broccoli and all kinds of good stuff. Coleslaw, potato salad. Uh, what else can I come up with? But there is a sign-up. It's on the wall, on this wall in the foyer. Anyway, uh, you sign up and put something down there. And I know we'll have plenty. We always do. And we, we always say, bring enough for if you were eating and somebody that would be a visitor. Amen? But it's so good to have you here today. I see some back that were here uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, TJ and his family's here. He's got his, even his mother PJ's here. You know, that's the first time I've ever seen a family go by initials like that. I go by PK. So I tell you what, if you introduced us all at the same time, it'd be TJ, PJ, and PK. That'd be a mouthful, wouldn't it? And it's so good. I met this lovely young girl here. Uh, who is with Angela, Lois, and Jeffrey. Good to see Jeffrey here, as always. And Levi. And Levi, I found out, I don't, Nick should be back in here in a minute, but Levi played football with Zach in high school. And he said he was a left or right tackle? Right tackle. Yeah, you need to be a lot bigger to be the left tackle. But, uh, Anyway, I think you muscled up and lost weight. You did, but it's, I've got to let Zach know that Levi Painter was here in service with us, and he'll be thrilled. He's going to want you to come back again, you know, so you'll hear him preach. But uh, Zach was the quarterback, so I thank you for trying to protect him from getting a concussion. Anyway, <laughs> but it's good to be in church always. And I'm filling in today, and hopefully you'll get something good. But I want to talk to you today about the fact that you are not finished yet. I had this word come on me while we were worshiping at the end of worship one Sunday, and I just kept looking at people, and I said, you're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. And that just has stirred up in me for weeks now. And I, when I got this opportunity to preach on a Sunday, I said, I'm going to preach about that. You are not finished yet. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. God's got a plan for every person in this life. If they will turn their life and heart over to Him, He will raise them up and make them something special. Amen? <coughs> All right, look at John 19, verse 29 and 30 with me. And I'm just going to read it off the screen. It says, Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, like vinegar, in other words, 
and they put it on hyssop, which is a bitter tree leaf, and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Maybe in the old King James it might have said he gave up his ghost or gave up the ghost. But <clears throat> he said it's finished. How many times have you known of somebody going through sour circumstances and yet it wasn't time for them to quit? But when Jesus was done with what he was called to function in and perform as Savior of this world, he took those stripes on his back he took the crown of thorns in his brow. He took the spear in his side. And he took those 39 stripes, lashes, with a whip, with a cat of nine tails, with bone, metal, and thorns and everything. And to where it ripped the skin and the muscle in his back to um, just a big mess of flesh. He stayed alive. He did not give up. He did not quit because he wasn't finished yet. But when he made it to the cross and they nailed his feet into the, the wood and they nailed his hands into the wood, the cross, uh, cross uh, beam, then you know what he had to do because they, they did the feet like this, see? And they were on top of each other. So the nail went through both feet together against the cross and when he hung down there, and you can imagine the pain on his back as he was hanging there against that wood, and he was losing his breath. He had to push up with his feet that had that big spike going through it. And when he pushed up, he would, <gasps> he would suck in all that air and be up on his feet until he couldn't stand it anymore, and he had dropped down again. And that went on for a long time. Somebody asked me the other day, it was a question, I think it was, might have been on uh, the messenger or something, and, and no, uh, somebody, anyway, somebody asked me why they didn't break his legs, and they broke others. Why was that? Well, he gave it up himself. He said, nobody's going to take my life, I lay it down. And so he laid down his life. And when he was finished and before that three o'clock thunderbolt and lightning and, and it shook the earth and the lights went out, so to speak, there's just like darkness filled uh, in front of the sun and it was dark all over the earth and he gave up his life. He was dead. He had finished it. But before that, the reason they didn't break his legs is because the Bible prophesied it in the Old Testament that there would not be a broken bone. Can you imagine the beating that he took and didn't get a broken bone? But anyway, he said it is finished. And so, you see, when you've completed your purpose and the plan of God in your life, when you've finished it, you're done. It's finished. Some people finish sooner than others. And that's something we don't understand. It's a perplexing thought. Some live to be a hundred. My mother-in-law is 99 and a half years old, and she is still witness to her testimony as a Christian. 
You know, she was Catholic, raised Catholic, and lived to be a Catholic until she was 61 years old, the same age as my wife is now. And then she came to our church and became born again. You know, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Lutheran, Episcopalian, whatever, it doesn't matter what the brand is over the door. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be no Pentecostals and Baptists and Methodists and Catholics. It's just going to be the kingdom of God. It's just going to be believers. It's going to be the family of God. Well, when she came and she confessed Jesus Christ personally as her Savior, because she always said, my mother-in-law was a little bit of a renegade in that way. She said, I don't know why i got to go to some man in a box and confess my sins to him. Now, we know, because I led the 12-step program myself before Austin and Mark started helping me years ago, and we know it's, it's good to confess your faults one to another, you know, so that you can pray for one another and you can be healed. But you don't get saved by confessing your faults to somebody. Amen? Sometimes you confess your fault to some person, and they'll go tell it to somebody else. And then it becomes gossip. It becomes a rumor. But you see, when you confess to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you got a direct line. You don't have a party line. You don't have to leave a message. You don't need to text the Holy Spirit. You just need to talk straight to God about it. And that's what my mother-in-law found out. And she's just thrilled. So she's lived 38 years as a born-again Christian, has accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. It's never too late. She's still not finished. She's still being a witness. Now others, we've lost others at an early age. Hey, I had to preach a funeral for a child that died at a very early age. In fact, I've preached funerals for babies. I've preached them uh, for people that were died in a drive-by shooting. See, I lived in the Miami area for 13 years. I preached every kind of funeral you can imagine, every kind of dire circumstances. I preached a funeral for a young man. He was 19 years old, and he died on a motorcycle. He was a trick rider. He could jack that thing up on the back wheel and gun that thing down the road, lickety-split like you wouldn't believe. And, uh, uh, you know, he was a fabulous rider. The only problem is there was a truck going to pull out on that road. He was going down about midnight, and it didn't hear him. And it pulled right out because the lights were going that way. He didn't see the lights. He went right and rammed right into that truck, and it killed him instantly. Well, you talk about a family just torn apart. I went and did that funeral, and there was 300 high school teenagers there at that funeral. Did you know about 100 of them raised their hand that day that they wanted to go to heaven and they wanted to know Jesus so that they could be with their friend? Because you know what his mama found on his desk in his room? A book, and has opened up to the part about who God is. And it was a book called Knowing God. I don't know where the kid got it, you know. He, he was a popular kid in South Dade High School when he went to high school. And that was tragic. But we know that we know that we know he had an opportunity and a chance. And I felt in my spirit 
that he had chosen to pray to God and ask forgiveness, and then God allowed him to be taken. Is that fair? I'm not to judge what's fair or unfair. It was finished for him. And in his death, over a hundred teenagers chose to follow Jesus. I think he had a pretty good ministry. I was just sorry he had to do it that way. The next year, almost to the day, a year later, his brother, who was two years younger, died. He went to a party. See, that wasn't good. And he died. He'd taken drugs and alcohol together, and it was over. That was very sad. It was sad the first time. I had to preach another funeral. How do you explain that? All I could say is God is sovereign, and we don't know what that kid said before he breathed his last breath. Had a man that was murdered by his older girlfriend. He was living with this gal who was like 30 years older than him, and she used to go to our church, and then Hurricane Andrew hit, and then one of the guys that didn't really attend the church, his mama and daddy, and different ones, you know, they came. But the mama calls me in the middle of the night, about 4 a.m. Pastor Kevin, this is Sister Ola Maslin. She's my, my kid's black grandma. She's a sweet lady. She'd buy them Christmas presents and whatnot. She said, my baby boy Raymond died. She said, the lady's name said, she shot him to death. I said, oh, Sister Ola, I'm so sorry. I said, I'll be right over. And I got up and got dressed. I've done that many times over the years. And I got in my car. I started to drive over to the house. You know what? I said, Holy Spirit, I need something. And I heard it clear as a bell in my mind. He said, you are not his judge. He had time. How long does it take to say, Oh, Jesus, help me. He didn't die instantly. She didn't shoot him up close like that. She shot him in the chest. He lived about three hours. And so he hung on, I'm sure, on my way over there. When I got there, I told her and I told Brother Joe, who is a retired military man, and they were all broken up. I said, the Holy Spirit told me I'm not his judge and that he had time. He had time to cry out to the Lord. He was raised in church. See, a lot of people are raised around it, but just because you go, you know, uh, eat at somewhere that has good food doesn't make you a chef. You know, it takes some time, commitment. But he had time. And I tell you what, we had a state highway patrol lady that grew up with him. She sang at that funeral. People testified. We had a little bit of praise and worship. People were crying and shouting and everything. Tell you what, I, I enjoy it when people get excited and shout for the Lord. I just hated it had to be at a funeral. But they said, we're not going to mourn 
and have doom and gloom. We're going to celebrate Jesus here. And they did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're not finished until the Lord says you're finished. I don't care how young or old you are. You have time. And is it a little time or a lot of time? Well, we'll find out, won't we? Anyway, Jesus said it was finished. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. I may not get through all my scriptures, but that'd be all right, won't it? We'll just see. But what, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any I didn't finish that, did I? Okay. Yeah. By any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may, by, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, that could be sisters too, by the way. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul had been a San, he was on the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. He was like the teacher of all, uh, like a doctorate. He's like he had five doctorates. I mean, this guy was a brainiac in the original languages, in all of the studies of the scriptures. He knew it legalistically, all the I's and T's. He knew it all. But he didn't have the presence of Jesus Christ in him. He knew religion. He knew the law. See, you can know the law, but the law won't reform you necessarily. It's only if you choose to make a heart change, then when you're constrained by the laws, you know, that's why the Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't steal. You know, if I think about it, I get angry sometimes. We had somebody break into the church on Easter Sunday three years ago. They stole two of my trumpets. I didn't even know one of them was stolen until I couldn't find it. I've looked everywhere for it. I had a little pocket trumpet. That was so cute. You know, then I had a silver trumpet. And he stole both of those things. He stole one, a guitar that I had in my office and some other stuff. He, he stole our safe. I mean, he unbolted that thing out of a cabinet in my office. You know what I had in there? Uh, I, I'd written a will just in case something happened to me on a trip. Well, 
That's all changed now. He didn't get any money. We don't keep money in a safe. We get it out of here, you know. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's just an irritant. He broke my window. He, he, he dented the back door back here. He had a footprint right on the back door. He didn't realize I had a bar about this big going through, you know, to block you from opening it. He couldn't open it anyway. He, I'm glad it wore him out. I hope he hurt his foot on that door. Well, Lord, forgive me. I don't really mean that. But I kind of feel it, you know. If I could have, you know, I almost caught him. And it's probably a good thing that I didn't. I might have been arrested for doing pastoral interference, you know. But I saw him. He had parked behind. I didn't know it. And I came in. The lights were on. I said, oh, my goodness. Man, we've been robbed. And I looked around. I saw my office. I saw he broke into the main office, you know, and I come in here. The lights were on. And I said, oh, oh, sound system still here. Praise God. And then I went all down here, and then I heard a car start. And, boy, I run out the front door. I went out there, and I saw him pulling away. I said, boy, should I jump in my car? I was on 911 already. Should I jump in my car and chase him? I better not, because I'm Irish on one side. And then I've got Cherokee Indian in me on the other side. And, you know, I, I could have a temper sometimes. And I said, if I, if I got up to him, I'm not going to grab him out of that car. I'm going to ram him with my car. <laughs> and then I'm going to have to tell State Farm why the front of my car is bashed in. You know? But it irritated me. But you know what? I forgive him. In fact, the... The sheriff thought he knew who it was. And the guy knows his first name's Brandon. And if I ever catch him, I'm going to hold him down until he says give or something. Uh, yeah, I'll hit him with my Bible. Yeah, no. But Brandon needs to get saved, and he needs to bring me my trumpets back. That's all I can say. I won't say his last name because who knows when somebody knows him. You know. But anyway, that's just stuff. You know what? We replaced a few things, and some things, I couldn't play the trumpet that well anyway. So it really doesn't matter that much. And I just liked them, you know what I mean? But anyway, we have a work that's being done in us, and it can't just be the law. It's got to be by the life of Jesus because he was resurrected from the dead. He, he resurrected so we could live. We could live a positive life. And so, then let's look at another scripture. But anyway, he said that he presses towards a goal. I want to tell you a story, though. I just interrupted myself. But that's all right. Everybody say amen if that's all right. All right. When I was in high school, and everybody says, oh, no, here we go again. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Let me say, I'm 65. I was a sophomore, so I was about 15, 16 years old. So I'm talking about 50 years ago. They had what they called AAU track in the summer. Well, I signed up to run two events, the half mile and the mile. Half mile's 800 now meters or whatever. And so I, I went over there, and it was hot like this past week. It was like 95 outside and humid. And I had not been jogging John I was skinny as a rail 155 pounds wet and six foot one at the time and so I went over there 
and I'm going to run against all these runners from all these track clubs. So this skinny guy gets up there to the line, and they blow that, you know, shoot the gun or whatever, and I take off. And there's this little rabbit from St. Louis. The guy looked about five foot four. And I was chasing him, and we got around one time, you know, the 400, and I was booking it. And I got it going around the second time. And boy, when I made that last curve, Trevor, I'm going to tell you what, I needed some therapy <laughs> called oxygen. <laughs> and, and I was coming around that last turn, and I was trying to book it. By that time, my legs were like this, you know. But, you know, I was just running. Sister Vicki, I made it through the finish line. I ran that 800 in two minutes and three seconds as a 15-year-old kid without practicing. Now, I'm going to tell you what, that is a fast time for a 15-year-old. The guy who beat me ran a 156. He beat me by seven seconds. You know what the difference was? He was doing this after he was walking around getting his oxygen. I went up the steps at the old Fred Morrill Stadium. Now they call it Derlin Moorefield or whatever. And I go behind the bleachers. And I'm throwing up. <laughs> and I'm dry heaving. And I can't get my breath. And there's like four kids come over, little kids, and they're looking at me. One of them's licking a lollipop. One of them's you know, eating a snow cone, and they're looking at me throw up, and their eyes are this big. And this one little girl says, Mister, are you okay? I looked at her, I shook my head, no, and I collapsed on the ground. I had to lay there for a while before I finally got up. I said, I don't think I'll ever do that again the rest of my life, you know, at least not without training. You know, hey, that was, a, that was a wonderful race, and it taught me a lesson. Don't ever do something like that again unless you want to kill yourself because I felt like I was dying. What am I telling you? When you run to win, you don't give up until the race is over. I did not give up. I, like, puked my guts out, but I wasn't going to give up I was going to try to win that race. I was competitive. I was an athlete. There was no way I was going to quit even though my guts were killing me. And I went and hid because I didn't want nobody to see me. And when those little kids found me, I don't know where they came from. They could have been from another planet. But it was a horrible situation. Well, anyway... Let's look down at 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 8. Let me go over here. Uh, this, is this side listening to me? Say amen or something, would you? Okay, I'm going to see if this side's been listening. It says there, but you, everybody say, that's me. Be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. When you're running, you've got to endure. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. No matter what you're doing, you got to still be a witness. 
And then he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. You have some rewards coming to you if you live for him. You know, righteousness is a wonderful thing. How many of y'all think you're right when you're having an argument? Now, I had the privilege of marrying Trevor and Angela. Does she think she's right? She's always right. And you get the last two words. Yes, dear. He is. I don't know. She's shaking her head no. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You're still together, and you're, you're helping my batting average stay up there for all the weddings I've done. But, you know, and I've done a whole bunch of those. But anyway, we got to run to win, and we got to do it righteously. You can't be a criminal and a crook. You can't be trying to pull a fast one all the time to get what you want or to get where you're going. You got to do it in the right way. You got to have the right attitude, the right mentality, the right heart. You know, uh, it just, it's not worth trying to pull a fast one because as soon as somebody finds out, it ruins your reputation. And then you lose your business. And it's not good. Because they'll say, no, that guy's a crook. I wouldn't buy a car from him, or I wouldn't buy this from this guy, or I wouldn't do this with this company, because they're not right. Holiness is another story. I was raised classical Pentecostal. My grandpa thought my hair should be cut up like this. Now it's not a problem. <laughs> it's natural to do it this way. But I had long hair. I'd, I'd get it cut at the beginning of basketball and about halfway through the basketball season I'd get it cut again because I had a redneck coach from Arkansas named Jim Daniels. And I got a split lip where he elbowed me in the mouth one time trying to show me how to get tough in there rebounding for basketballs. And I tell you what, he kind of felt bad after that and he kind of lightened up on me a little bit. But, uh, you know, he, he'd make us get our hair cut. Well, when I grow it back out in the summertime, my grandpa come along from Assembly God. Carol, you remember. That's my sister back there. She had a birthday this past week. Happy birthday. But anyway, I was standing out in his front yard one day, Jeffrey, and he comes up. He's only five foot seven. I was six foot one. He reached over and grabbed my hair about this and pulled it real good. I said, what was that for? He said, when are you going to get that hair cut, boy? I said, I'm not going to get it cut. I'm trying to be like Jesus. You know, he had long hair. He said, okay. He said, you're always asking me for rides to go places. He said, Jesus walked everywhere he went. <laughs> so you can walk where you want to go. But you see, just getting my hair cut 
it would have made me look neat in some ways, but that doesn't going to make me any more holy. You see, you can look right and not be right. Holiness is not on the outside, by the way. You know, some churches have holiness in the name. But you go in there and you find out about some of their lives and you know there are no holy rollers. You know, we called them holy rollers back in the day. I tell you what, it was a lot of fun though to watch. Made for good entertainment sometimes. I'm not making fun. I, I've gotten kind of with it once in a while. You know, I love holy laughter, don't you? I love it when I, you get to laughing, you cannot stop. And the Holy Ghost is all over you. You can't help it. Yeah. But anyway, make a long story short. Righteousness is the key, John. You've got to be right. If you don't do it right, it's going to bite you. It's going to come back and get you. What goes around comes around, as they say. But he said his departure was at hand, and he had done everything he could to finish his race, to finish the course. And what a life. He left a, a lot of the Bible that he wrote, the Apostle Paul. But you need to finish your race. You know, we got a guy on the St. Louis Cardinal baseball team right now named Adam Wainwright. He's a pitcher. I don't know if anybody follows the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm a big fan. But he is like 41 years old, and he's lost his fastball. And he's trying to win two more games so he has 200 wins. He's trying to be a good pitcher till the end. But it's not going well for him right now. In fact, I just, Lord, help him. Because he is a believer. He's a Christian. And he has, he has sent a lot of money to Africa for wells to be dug for different countries and tribes that didn't have water. This guy has been a jewel of a guy. But... You know, sometimes you just finished. And he's about finished his career. But he hadn't finished his witness. And you can still be a good witness no matter what. You know, I'm, I got just a little bit of time. Let me just read you something. I tell you, the Old Testament is like a movie. Sometimes it's rated X because of the blood and, and everything that happens. They kill people in the Old Testament and all kinds of stuff. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 1 through 5, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Sometimes you can get too big for your britches as we say sometimes and when you get too big for your britches then you know it's trouble and so David got too big for his britches he was the king he had all these guys he had already fought a lot of wars oh you guys go on out and fight the battle I'm going to stay here and enjoy myself here at the palace and so then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house he had a big balcony out there outside his bedroom. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. Because see, his was way up high, and all these other houses were down here. They had, I guess they had their bathtubs or whatever, however they did it, on their roofs. 
Well, she didn't know he'd be. Well, I don't know. Maybe she didn't know. We, we don't know that for sure. It says, and he saw this woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. That means they did the... No, no, no. Anyway, so uh, here she was, and so he took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. She didn't have her time of the month, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I'm with child. He said, uh-oh. Now back in those times and to this day in the that culture, especially with the Muslims, they can legally have four wives. Well, I tell you what, I couldn't afford more than one wife. Not that she spends money. But I'm just saying, I've had four kids. I've got five grandkids, another one on the way. Man, I tell you what, it takes everything you make. I don't know how on earth these guys, of course, he was a king. He could afford it. But you could have different wives. Of course, they married a lot during those days to make covenants. Hey, look, I won't attack you and you won't attack me. Give me your daughter. I'll marry her. I'll make her a rich woman. And so he had all these wives. Well, he saw her and he said, whoa, whoa, man. You're supposed to laugh at that. It's funny. Whoa, man, woman. Anyway, so this happened. His, her husband was out at war. I won't read the rest of the scriptures. You can look it up yourself. But he, he got to thinking, I need to cover this up. Yeah, so he had Uriah come back, so he would go to his house, and then it looked like it's his baby. But he refused to go down. He was so loyal to the king. He slept outside the king's palace. He wouldn't go down to his wife. And so then he goes back to war. And so then David had to conceive some plan, and he said, put him on the front line where he can be attacked, killed. And then when he was killed, then he took her and made her his wife. But then the baby was born and was very, very sick. David went and fasted and didn't eat and prayed. And then at the end of so many days, then the baby died. And then he got up, washed his face, and went about his business. Because there wasn't nothing he could do. That was over. But, hey, did you know what? God's not finished with you yet. He wasn't finished with David yet. David had a lot of mistakes, but David is described as a man after God's own heart. You mean to tell me that this guy that was like that and was a king, and then he's promised to sit on the throne next to Jesus after it's all over and said and done. Yes, God did not hold sin against him because he repented. And he said, I'm sorry, when the prophet confronted him. And he said, I'm going to serve God. And he was willing to do whatever it took. 
And so God wasn't finished with him yet. And when he was on his deathbed, and he had another son try to take his throne unjustly from him, <coughs> he called for Solomon to come. And he blessed him. And he anointed him to be king. You're talking about Bathsheba's second born. He became the king. And he's the one that after he built the temple, he prayed this prayer that was so powerful that you could not even, second, I think it's Second Chronicles chapter 7, you, the priest couldn't even enter the temple. The glory of God was so great that came down on that place. What am I saying to you today? Just because you stumble or you make a mistake or you struggle or there's conflict or coincidental things, whatever happens, occurrences, but you are struggling and trying to press in. Paul tried to persecute and kill Christians. Jesus, he let himself be beat and then nailed to the cross. People eventually finish. But here it was, and here's David, who messed up, and yet he was not finished. He actually brought a son out that God said, I'll use you. He became the most famous, wealthiest, and wisest man in the world. Now, he made some mistakes, too. They didn't have Jesus yet, by the way. So they had a little rougher way to go to repent. But David was a man after God's own heart. And God said, it's not finished. I'll take your son Solomon and we'll make him the king. And he'll make a great thing. He built the temple of God where the glory of God come down. Do you have things that you've been through in your life? Maybe disappointments. Maybe embarrassing situations. Well, God's not done yet. You're still here. God can still use you. Yeah. Maybe you're not what you think you were. I, hey, I'm 65. My knees hurt in the morning when I get up until I start moving around. Yeah. God can still use you. He can. Don't give up until you're done. Don't give in until you're finished. Do what you know to do and let him unfold his plan he always has a plan. You know, man can, Proverbs 16, man can make his plans, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So you look to him, and he's going to make a way, Jeffrey, where there seems to be no way. Sometimes we don't know how, we don't know when, but like that old song, he'll do it again. He'll use you. Bow your heads with me. Let me ask you a question this morning before we go. I'm not going to make anybody come to the front, but I just want to know if you would like me to pray for you to have some courage to rise up again. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? You want me to say a prayer for you today? Yes. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you back there and back there. Thank you. Thank you up here. God says you can do it, you can make it, because he's not finished with you yet. I want everybody to stand with me this morning. And 
Pastor Ken and I will be up here after if you want a personal prayer. But I want you to repeat this prayer with me this morning. And let's all agree together. There's power where there's two or three gathered in his name. And so as we agree together in this prayer, God can do a, a, a powerful thing in you. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I humble myself. I have been a sinner. And I have believed in you. You say that if I believe in you, and if I confess you with my mouth, that I'll be saved. So I am saved. Not by works, but by grace and mercy because of the blood of Jesus. And I thank you for this. I appreciate it, Lord. And be with me as I leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hey! That's wonderful. Turn to somebody next to you and say, Hey, man, I'm saved. Or, Hey, woman, I'm saved. Yes. It's a joyous thing. Well, I bless you today by the name of Jesus. You are the head and not the tail. You're the blessed and not the cursed. You are the redeemed of the Lord. And the Bible says you can say so. Amen? So wherever you go, wherever you are, be who you are in Christ. Just be a regular person that loves God and let others see it in you. Amen? God bless you. Hug a couple of people. Let them know that God's real in your life. And uh, let God move in you. God bless you. If you want a personal prayer or you want to come talk to me, you can come on up. We'll be here a few minutes if you need it. Amen. Praise the Lord.